What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello. I'd like us to meditate on the theme of suffering in our lives. And we will do this by looking at the examples and the words that Christ himself set for us and to draw from this five consequences. The first is the need that we have to accept and love God's will. We, we can imagine that the bystanders who witnessed Jesus carrying his cross along the Via Crucis to Golgotha, that they were probably, probably amazed at the the nobility and the composure with which Christ walked along the very sad path. This was the most shameful of executions. They must have marveled that Christ could be so self-composed uh, as he walked those later steps to his place of crucifixion. And for the answer to this, we have to go back to what we've seen in our last meditation, and that is that Christ, already in his prayer in Gethsemane, came to accept, and more than accept, to really love the Father's will. And in this, the cross has become his own will, and his, his will is now fully identified with the will of the Father. And so he accepts and loves this cross that he is carrying. Without prayer, we cannot really accept the cross when it comes our way. Uh, only with prayer do we learn what is being called the science of the cross. It's an unusual term, the science of the cross. A capacity to enter into, again, what is called divine logic. Um, in other words, seeing things from God's point of view from his logic, which is so often very different from our own logic. The cross cannot be understood, uh, nor let alone accepted and loved, on the basis of human logic alone. We have to enter into God's logic to understand and love the cross. St. Paul, Paul talks about this in uh, one, of his, uh, one of the passages that he writes, and this is it. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us, for, for, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, the, he's showing that the cross cannot be understood with with a human wisdom, and if, if it could be, it would be emptied of its power. It is a folly, moreover, to those who refuse to accept it. It's, it's just madness. And he is saying, well, it's not madness. It is the very power of God working through the cross. 
the cross that we all of us experience in life must in some way always remain something of a mystery to us. A mystery that we enter into only through prayer. Only with prayer and intense prayer can we really say to God, not my will, but your will be done. Without this, we will be tempted to flee, as of course all the apostles did, bar St. John, on Good Friday. They all fled the cross. They failed to enter into the divine logic, as we often do ourselves. They failed to see that the cross is always a blessing. In disguise, all right, but a blessing. The cross is always a blessing from those witnessing also the crucifixion of Jesus, the Jews standing around, were told how they mocked Jesus. The Gospel says, So also the chief priests mocked him to one another, with the scribes saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Well, they see, they see the cross, Jesus' cross, in fact, as a confirmation that he was accursed. That in the, very, the, the way they are looking things, again, without the divine logic, they see this as confirmation. Jesus must indeed be a bad man if he suffers such a cross. They're very mistaken. The cross is a blessing from our Father God. And even more than that, a sign of predilection special love of being chosen by God. St. Maria says this in his little book Forge. It's true. When the Holy Cross comes into our lives, it unmistakably confirms that we belong to Christ. Our second point then is um, again taken from a little uh, quote from St. Maria, but not dragging the cross. Don't drive the cross, he says. Carry it squarely on your shoulder, because your Christ, if you carry it so, will not be just any cross. It will be the Holy Cross. Don't bear your cross with resignation. Resignation is not a generous word. Love the cross. When you really love it, your cross will be a cross without a cross. So here we can see that there is a temptation for those of us who do have enough faith to realise that the cross comes from God, that God could not send us anything bad, and yet we are only resigned to the cross. This sad resignation that we hear about here. Resignation is not a generous word. And we, ref we, we um, in this case, we do not manage to really accept the cross. Not to, we don't manage to love the cross. You can imagine perhaps that the, the, the good thief in the gospel scene of the crucifixion of our Lord, Demas, as he's sometimes called, that initially at least that he was um, resigned to his cross. So when he speaks and rebukes his fellow criminal, he does say that, well, we, we, we are getting what we deserve. There's a certain resignation or acceptance of the cross. He's certainly not rebelling against the cross as the bad thief, I suppose we'd call the other one. He's clearly rebellious. Uh, he's clearly rejecting, hating his cross, his condition. 
the way he's dying. The, the good thief is not like that. But perhaps it's only very much at the end that he actually comes to love his cross when he hears the word of our prophet. Jesus has wonderful words. Today you will be with me in paradise. Perhaps it's from that moment on that the good thief, in fact, really loves his cross. He realizes this cross has brought him salvation. It is bringing him into heaven within within a few hours. He will be in heaven because of that cross. So we must also believe God blesses us with the cross. The cross is not a defeat. In fact, the church every year has a, a feast dedicated to what we call the triumph of the cross, the 14th of September. St. Teresa of Avila says, Suffering is a great favour. Remember that everything soon comes to an end. And take courage. Think of how our gain is eternal. Certainly those words could also be told us by the good thief. Suffering is a great favour. His suffering on the cross was in fact a great favour. His suffering soon came to an end and his gain was clearly eternal. Our third point then is, I'd like to take this from the encounter that we, we, we witness between Jesus and the holy women during the Via Crucis. And the Gospel says this, And there followed him a great multitude of the people, and of women who bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never gave suck. What is so striking about this is that while the women are lamenting Jesus, they, they're filled with, with pity, seeing, witnessing the suffering of Jesus, our Lord uh, kind of returns that pity, in fact. He rather pities them. I think if we'd been in that situation, we would have wallowed in self-pity. We'd feel very justified. We'd feel that we merit all that pity of the holy women. But our Lord doesn't do that in the least. They're not the slightest hint on our Lord's part of, of self-pity. It is even remarkably pity, pity for these women and for their children, for what they, were just, what they will, the sufferings that they will themselves experience. This seems to be a prophecy of the suffering that, will, that, that uh, they will, uh, or certainly their children, will experience about 40 years later when Jerusalem actually falls to the Roman Emperor Titus and is destroyed with great suffering for the inhabitants of the city. The lesson I think we can draw from this is that self-pity is a great danger. In carrying our cross, we are tempted to think that the cross that we have is especially heavy, or that we are unique in having a cross at all, where of course everybody experiences the cross. St. Augustine Put it this way, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. Nobody on earth goes through life without suffering, to some degree. And especially if we are Christians. Here's a little point from St. Josemaria Scriva. We cannot, must not be sugar candy Christians. On earth there must be suffering on the cross. We cannot be, there's no possibility in fact of being sugar candy.
Christians, uh, Christians who it's all just uh, a rosy life. It's impossible. There must be suffering at the cross. However, we should not exaggerate. We should not wallow in our cross. Or, as St. Francis de Sales says, uh, we cannot contemplate the cross with a dropped jaw. I'd like to read the little passage from him. I, I find it particularly good. The cross comes from God. We cannot contemplate it with a dropped jaw. But to adapt to it, as we would adapt to a person we had to have living always by our side, there is no need to stop to think about it, but to accept things simply. Don't think about them too much and accept them as coming from the hand of God. It's wonderful that we're so often tempted to contemplate our cross with a dropped jaw and, and to get stuck there, not to move on. And St. Francis says, well, be very simple. Accept it. It can't be avoided. Just get used to it. As if we're a person who moved in with you and you're stuck with them. Don't think about it too much. Paradoxically, even, there is a lightness of the cross. St. Augustine talks about this. So light is Christ's burden that it not only does not weigh down, but alleviates. It's a cross that actually lifts us up rather than crushing us. There's even a, a further level of, of um, reasons not to pity ourselves. The, cr- the cross does not crush us when we carry it properly. Our empathy, is, as Jesus shows here, should also be for those who are, are suffering, those around us. In other words, we, we have to avoid being so immersed in our own sorrows and crosses that we don't see those of those around us. So empathy, as Jesus' empathy here, is a sign, of course, of not being immersed in our cross, but noticing those of others. A fourth point, then, not coming from the example of our Lord in the Via Crucis, but something that he says to his disciples at a certain point in his public life. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What we see here clearly is that Jesus expects fortitude on our part, not to shrink from hardship. He does expect us to have a certain uh, manliness regarding the cross that applies to women also, the virgin, the virtue of fortitude acquire, applies equally to men and women, but we, we give it the title of manliness. And, and I suppose we could say that the mark of of maturity is endurance. The capacity to endure things which are difficult. To endure the effort in work, uh, sacrifice we, look, we must make for our family, or for our country. And that is a real mark of maturity. The cross matures us. And uh, also, carrying our cross well will make us stronger in turn. It's a virtuous circle. And this is what St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. 
And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. So we move <coughs> from sufferings to a hope that does not disappoint us. <coughs> and those sufferings pass through endurance and character. Suffering produces endurance, <coughs> and endurance produces character. A fifth point, then, is that we have to draw strength from Christ. Seeing him, seeing his example carrying the cross, we too need to look at that example in prayer, of course. Seeing the example of our, 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 our Lord has to strengthen us in carrying those crosses that are sent to us. We do need, we do need that help. That help. In, in a way, the way that Jesus himself needed the help of Simon of Cyrene to carry that cross, he wouldn't have been able to make it in the judgment of the soldiers. He would not have been able to make it to Golgotha without the help of Simon of Cyrene. Well, in, in, in reversing that, Jesus must be our Simon of Cyrene. We must draw strength from him. This is a, a passage from, again from St. Paul, in the letter to the Hebrews. <clears throat> this is what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So St. Paul says that we have to fight this fight, run this race, as he uses that comparison. But we do so looking to Jesus, who's already ran this race before us. And he endured the cross. He didn't uh, mind the shame that it brought. And now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So St. Paul is a worse thing. But look at Jesus. He ran that race, endured the cross, and is now receiving his eternal reward for that. So, so we ourselves must draw strength from the example set us by Jesus. And of course we must pray and ask him for the grace to carry the cross. <clears throat> Another person that we can draw from example from, of course, is Our Lady. We're told by Saint, in St. John's Gospel that she stood beside the cross and uses a special verb, at least in the, in the Vulgate, in the Latin Vulgate, for the standing, the word stabat is used, and that gives the impression of standing firmly. Not just being there, but standing quite deliberately by the cross. Stabat matter juxta crucium. There's a, a clear note of firmness and commitment. And in this, Our Lady is, of course, the co-redemptrix with her son. And we would imagine also that the Blessed Virgin is a tremendous consolation to Jesus as he dies on the cross, abandoned by so many, um, so many of his apostles, of course, abandoned by them. And, uh, and yet in, in that uh, fleeing from the cross, Our Lady is there firmly by the cross, not going anywhere, but staying there, a firm consolation to her son. So just to recap, we've seen those five points, how the cross is something that we must accept and love 
And we do that through entering the divine logic through prayer. Secondly, we saw that we shouldn't drag the cross, um, that we shouldn't fall into self-pity for the cross, that we need to be manly or exercise fortitude in carrying the cross, and finally, draw strength from Christ, his example, example given us. So let us ask Our Lady to help us as she helped St. John not to run away. Thank you.